When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back, and I'm, I'm trying to determine if today is Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't know if I'm coming or going. Yeah, and, this uh, has in been the a studio while. Today we have uh, some very good friends and uh, some common sense friends. We have uh, two common sense Democrats. We have Judge Richard Weinberg. Judge, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> how, how was the month off that you took? Two weeks, John. Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Governor David Patterson, welcome to the studio. How are you, John? Oh, good. And everything going okay with common sense? Yeah, we're trying to maintain common sense around here. Okay, and uh, Vito Fasella, a Republican, but a common sense Republican, the borough president of Staten Island. Welcome, Vito. It's always great to be with you, John. Thank you so much. Uh, any uh, major problems in the, in Staten Island? Oh, I understand we got some big news from you, and we're going to talk about it later. Yep. You, uh, as borough president of Staten Island, along with who? The UFT, the president United of the United Federation of Teachers, Teachers. Yep. sued the MTA on congestion pricing. We sued, among others, the MTA and some of the other city and federal agencies to try to prevent congestion pricing from happening. Mike Mulgrew and I were at the uh, Borough Hall today and announced that we filed the suit in the Eastern District. But we can talk about and we're going to be talking about it later on. And so many things are happening, Rita. What else is happening today? Well, the other thing that's happening is uh, New York City uh, just announced a lawsuit against the busing companies that are busing migrants from Texas. Seven hundred million. Yeah, can you? Well, isn't that crazy? The bus drivers. I, 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 I understand from the judge they got three chances. The minimum is none. The minimum is none. The slim and none. <laughs> so, Judge Weinberg was the third. And <laughs> slim, are you kidding me? Well, we used to say <laughs> in the kidding? old days on the third one. Bleep, okay. bleep. Now the rule, now the rule is: Are you kidding me? Or do you mean? Okay. <laughs> now, then later on in the show, we have Judge Napolitano. The feds sued the state of Texas today uh, on uh, who is responsible for, for protecting our borders. Yeah, you can't make and it up. And I want to know from Judge Napolitano who's going to be the winner on that. Well, Texas is trying to protect its borders, and suddenly the Biden administration is saying, no, we don't want you to essentially do that. That's our responsibility. And uh, I would contend they're not way, doing they, their responsibility. Did anybody, responsibility. Tell, yes. did anybody tell Mayor Adams... That that uh, uh, you know they're sneaking people in from New Jersey now. Yeah, that's the classic. That. And and New Jersey, John, the the there are sheriff's deputies and also local police there that are waiting when they come in on the bus stop and, to say, make sure you keep going. The, Boston, <laughs> the mayor, the mayor of Boston, the one that had a. Well, if you're white, you're not invited party. Yeah, it was a no whites party. No it, whites yeah, party. They, I the mayor of it. Boston, 
And uh, she says, oh, give me the immigrants. Give me the migrants. So that's what Governor Abbott and, should do. And, and send all to Boston. That's yeah, all. She we'll says she, a, can we get an express train to Boston? Right. She says she welcomes all. And, and John, also, let's not forget the Chicago mayor who also said we need more money from the federal government so we can, quote, complete second, our second. mission. When, 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 when Mayor Adams said that, he almost got indicted. You he, he better be careful. Yeah, you're right. He's got to be careful. You're right. There could be more coming. There could be more coming. Now, Rita. The mayor of Boston is not discriminating on what type of immigrants can come in. Like everybody <laughs> does. But if, if we have Good one, the Governor mayor of Boston, the mayor of Boston had a party uh, only for black people. Whites were not invited. I know, and I wasn't invited. <laughs> oh, how rude! It wasn't a party. Did you send him? Did you send him a picture of yourself? I, uh, Apparently it didn't help. <laughs> no, 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 no. One time I talked to my friend that's from Minnesota. She was Miss uh, USA from Minnesota. Uh, my oh, Lauren Green. Nick, Lauren Green. Lauren Green. I knew exactly what you were talking about. And, Fox and, Host, and, Lauren Green. And she had, they had a party in Minnesota. You ready for this? You're sitting down? I'm sitting down. You had to be a brown, it was a brown bag party. So in other words, if you're too black, you're not invited. Oh, this used to go on all the time, John. And, really? and, and a lot of the, the organizations that existed, uh, that color issue was, was very serious. And, you know, people would look at babies that were born and, and, you know, try to. So if you're too white. It's not good. Not, that's no good. That's no good. If you're too white, you're out. Not oh too my white, goodness. it's no good. Now, and now, if you're too dark, you're no did good. Did Mayor Wu, right, exactly. did Mayor Wu specify if you're too light? Black versus a black black. It didn't look like it. And Correct. do you want to hear the irony of it all, you guys? She is married to a white guy. He was invited. Somehow he got a waiver. Well, that was, uh, all right, let's go, that was let's the family go to Texas. Yeah. Where, where's my song? Deep in yeah, the heart yeah, of where, Texas. Yeah, I think we need a little like. Where's uh, my song? Yeah, we need a little like Texas music. We'll get it at some point. But we do have with us Congressman Troy Nels, Republican of Texas. Congressman, thank you for joining us here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, you know, first off, what kind of a mess is the border in right now? We are seeing historic crossings. And we're seeing so many people in the White House, uh, I call it from the river of denial. They won't even admit there's a problem. Well, uh, thank you for having me. It's, it's been a mess for three years. From January 20th, when Joe Biden was obviously sworn in, uh, it, it, the, the, the chaos, the crisis occurred the same day because he reversed all of Trump's policies. Your listeners know this. Uh, I think it's good that uh, the American people, I truly believe, are paying attention to this now. I applaud the governors, whether it's Abbott, DeSantis, and those border states, for sending these illegals uh, to to the, obviously, the states, the blue states, and to the cities that claim they're, obviously, sanctuary cities. And in the end, uh, they're truly not, are they? Because they don't like receiving them anymore. So I think that's what... Uh, uh, has really uh, started to take hold. The American people are paying attention to the southern border, and that's why uh, Biden's a- approval ratings in the toilet. That's at 33%. They're concerned about that, very, very concerned about his approval rating. 
And uh, we are talking to Texas Congressman Troy Nels. And, and Congressman, I know you've got a great background there in law enforcement. Uh, you know, a former sheriff, you've been there on the front lines. Have you ever seen anything like this where even in just in the month of December, more than 300,000 crossings? Uh, this is historic numbers. And there is no way that we know who's in our country and how many. That's right. It is historic. He, the Biden administration, my Orcus, the DHS secretary, they're breaking records, it seems, every other month. Record is broken. A few months later, that record is broken. So they continue down this path. I think that uh, it is horrible for America, but it's all by design. This is all by design. I have a new book coming out about the border. The timing couldn't be better the next week. It's called Borderless by Design. And it lays out the reason, the madness behind this administration, allowing these people to enter the country. And to put it very clearly and very succinct and short here, it's by design because eventually they expect these individuals to receive naturalization and eventually become voters. And then there's one party rule forever. I mean, you know, one other question for you, Congressman. How, I want to know how we... bad is it to live around or within 50 miles of the borders? Are your residents in Texas... Terrified? Sure, they're terrified. And, 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 they, and you'll get the left. The Democrats will claim that these individuals coming uh, uh, over the southern border are not criminals. Now, many of them are not criminals. I believe many of them, uh, whatever percentage you would want to use, are coming over here to try to find a better life. I call it the push in the pull effect. You know, they're being pushed out of their countries, this northern triangle, because of the crime and the corruption and all that. And they'll be pulled into this country because of the the entitlements and the benefits that they receive. Obviously, higher paying jobs, taking that money in the United States and sending it back to their home country. Obviously, the dollar will go longer uh, for them. So but but I don't believe that a majority, meaning over 50 percent of them, other than crossing our southern border illegally, are here committing serious crime. We do know in the southern county, in the southern uh, the cities along that border, they have seen a significant increase in criminal activity and crime as a result of this this uh, surge at our southern border. You know, uh, Congressman, I want to ask you also about uh, it still it shocks me. I was just watching the Homeland Security Secretary. I say that in quotes, um, Alejandro Mayorkas, because he was on one of the shows this morning and he was asked about the effort next week. They're going to start impeachment proceedings against him, a hearing, at least a hearing to start it with Mark Green and others. And he was asked, well, you know, look at all these people crossing the border. What do you say? Uh, They're about to, you know, really call you on the carpet. And he said, oh, I can't focus on this. I'm too busy working on the border. It was it's almost like they are in an alternate universe, Congressman. He was he he did a show. I think he was on MSLSD. He blamed (laughs) he blamed climate change uh, for some of this. Blamed climate change. For, for this, uh, the people. No, the reason they're coming across the southern border is because before Joe Biden was even inaugurated on January 20, he was inviting people in. And it just wasn't from the Northern Triangle. You hear a lot about Guatemala, Honduras and stuff, but th- we've had people from over 150, 160 countries. So he invited people uh, from around the globe to enter the United States. Here, here's an open invitation worry about the border patrol we're going to allow you to come in and uh, by the way don't worry about trump's policy this remain in mexico 
got rid of that. So you'll be released. You will be released into the United States for several years. Uh, hopefully you show up for your court appearance, but if you don't, don't worry about it. We're not going to come after you. Not going to come after you. So I, I think it's just as, all, again, it's all by design. And the American people, in my opinion, are paying attention now because of the work the governors are doing by, by busing these individuals to these areas, these blue states and, and cities where they're obviously uh, becoming sort of a problem uh, for these mayors and these governors with the constituents they have. They're like, this is crazy. Yeah. I mean, we're going to house these migrants in schools and other places. It's affecting our economy. At so taxpayers' you know expense. The American people are feeling pain. The American people are starting to feel the pain, and it's good. Feel the pain. If you want this to stop, that opinion back J. Trump, the greatest leader in my lifetime. And everybody, we're talking to Texas, a Congressman Troy Nell, Where's former the Texas sheriff. Song? Yeah, yeah, we're working on the Texas song. Uh, Gov, uh, Judge Weinberg, you have a question for the congressman. Congressman Judge Richard Weinberg, sir, good to have you on the show. I want to raise two issues with you. Your governor, Governor Greg Abbott, has done two things. One, they've put up the razor wire as a barrier. They also yeah. put in the... Uh, in the, in the war itself, in the Rio Grande, they had b- barriers. Justice Department sued on both of those. Additionally, the state of Texas passed a law just recently, and the Justice Department sued on that too, giving the authority to the state authorities in Texas to arrest and to deport these people. And they're arguing that they can't do this. These are all unlawful acts against the federal supremacy clause. What are your thoughts, Congressman? Because in the Constitution, there are things in there that call the invasion clause. And so the governor of Texas here, we feel he has declared that there is an invasion of our southern border in the great state of Texas. The problem is you've got these circuit, these, these courts and these different circuits that are saying, no, there is no invasion here. Uh, the, the federal government, it is, now I believe it is the federal government's responsibility, i.e. Congress, to secure our nation's borders. But when the government <clears throat> fails to do so, it's pretty much incumbent upon governors and stuff do everything they can to, pe- to keep their people safe. And that's all the governor's doing. I, I think it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Texas taxpayer is spending billions of dollars, billions with a B, uh, to augment the, the Border Patrol with the Department of Public Safety and the National Guard. Now, those are Texas tax dollars uh, going to that southern border when it could be going to education and other programs. But the governor feels he doesn't have a choice because Congress and this administration fails to do a damn thing about the southern border. So now, obviously, the Justice Department, they're a little angry at Governor Abbott. So now they're going to try to sue him. I think luck with that. But I applaud the governor. I applaud the governor, too. As do I. We all applaud the governor because uh, he's doing what he has to do to protect the Texas people. And And what happened to us? The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. That's Congressman that's in your honor. Yeah, Thank we you love so that. much. Congressman, you keep up the great fight. Great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you, Congressman, so much. You okay. too. God bless you. Thank now, you, Congressman. We got uh, dark money is being circulated among politicians. And uh, what is today is uh, Gabe, Kaminsky. Gabe Kaminsky from the National Examiner. Washington Examiner. The Washington Examiner. What did I say? National. Washington. But they are a national publication. Oh, they are a national, yeah, they're a national publication. The Washington See? Examiner. You Both take, are right. Take it over. Where is that dark money coming from, uh, uh, Gabe? Gabe. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, D.C.-based charity 
uh, also identifies as like a progressive watchdog group. They, they filed a lawsuit in September in Colorado that spawned um, essentially Colorado's Supreme Court to rule four to three to kick former President Donald Trump off the. So, state. in other words, they're um, funding it. They funded the lawsuit yeah. in Colorado to kick well, President right. Trump off the uh, Republican. And tell us, where do you think, is there any disclosure where this money is coming from? Well, right. So what our story details is that this same group that's behind that has a relatively opaque funding structure, but has taken, while they push for transparency and sort of seek to fight, you know, secretive donations in the political system, they themselves rely uh, on, you know, funding sources linked to George Soros and other Democratic billionaires that run groups that don't actually disclose where they, they themselves get their money from. That's interesting. So how can they get around it? And you know what's interesting, uh, Gabe, this is Rita Cosby, is that when you hear the title of this group, Citizens for a Responsible, for Responsibility and Ethics, it looks like, like they are like a bona fide independent group. What you're saying is that there's money coming in. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, the thing that, the thing to recognize is, right, this group identifies essentially sort of an ethics watchdog transparency group. And the important thing to know is just from a literal transparency standpoint, they take, you know, large amounts of money from undisclosed sources, um, including from, for example, like the Foundation to Promote Open Society, one of the groups in George Soros' network, Tide Foundation, one of the largest left-leaning nonprofits in the U.S. Um, and one thing I'd point out is they took $5.9 million from 2020 to 2022 through the Fidelity Investments Charitable Gift Fund. That's a donor-advised um, 501c3 advised fund, which means that actually it's unclear who actually gave that donation. It's through that fund. So that's, that's secret money coming in through a group that's pushing for transparency and has now successfully pushed to kick the president off the ballot, although that's still being, you know, obviously scrutinized after he appealed it. And uh, everybody, we're talking to Gabe Kaminsky, who is a great journalist there at Washington Examiner. And we have with us Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella. Vito. Gabe, I have two questions. One is, is there a pattern of this organization getting involved in these types of situations across the country? And are you suggesting, number two, that this was a ploy that was hatched many months ago to try to keep Donald Trump off the Colorado uh, ballot? Yeah, the thing I'd point you to would be Crew, uh, this, this same organization, right? They actually are also one of the primary left-leaning watchdog groups calling for Supreme Court justices, including Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, to disclose more about their finances, something that conservatives have sort of smeared and um, criticized as really just a ploy to pack the court and sort of uh, disenfranchise the Supreme Court. So, so they're involved in various things. Um, they notably take aim frequently at Leonard Leo, conservative activist um, and wealthy uh, co-chairman of the Federalist Society, for his ties to sort of undisclosed sources in the political system, while themselves obviously, you know, benefit from that same element. Um, as far as the Trump element, you know, they're one of they're one of several groups, right, that um, have had pushed to block Trump from from the presidency. Another group would be Free Speech for People. A group called Me Familia Vote Education Fund, which similarly to Crew takes cash from various nonprofits that are, you know, allied with the Democratic Party. Um, and so, you know, we spoke. To, I spoke our outlet, Washington Examiner, we spoke to Mike Davis, a conservative lawyer who is reportedly being considered by Trump's inner circle to be possibly uh, his attorney general should he should he win in 2024. 
And Mike Davis just said, look, this just exemplifies and demonstrates how crew um, in his mind is, is less an ethics watchdog group, but just clearly a partisan progressive activist group. And that's fine. He just thinks they should be more, more transparent about that. Well, very interesting. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Gabe Kaminsky, uh, reporter there with the Washington Examiner. Keep us posted because everybody's wondering who are funneling and sending money uh, for all these efforts that are all over the place uh, trying to take Trump off the ballot. You talked about Supreme Court stuff. Uh, keep us posted and come back with any good updates, please. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, and coming up, uh, we are going to be talking, John, about the economy <laughs> And uh, it has to do a little bit also, John, about uh, this is wild about supermarket prices, which uh, you sure know about, but dropping Pepsi and Lay's uh, because it's just costing too much. I thought Bidenomics worked, John. I thought that's what uh, that's what I heard. Somewhere. No, it happens to us. What happens with Lay's potato chips is they put a price on it and um, make sure that the supermarkets don't make any money on it. How sad is that? Well, we're going to talk about how everybody is being squeezed after the break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. We are talking, of course, about the economy, uh, Biden's green energy, a whole bunch more. And joining us now is Adam Johnson. He is one of the great economic experts out there. And you see him all the time on Fox News and elsewhere, a great energy expert, too, as well. And joining us now is Adam Johnson. Adam, um, before we get to all the green energy stuff, uh, this no. headline, this is wild, uh, that a supermarket giant, um, this is Care For, which has a lot of um, uh, grocery stores all over the world, um, yep. is dropping Pepsi and Lay's over the price. As John was just talking about, it's all the prices that are coming on, that are getting passed on to supermarkets and other businesses. This is just a sign of the time. Well, you know, it's called the breaking point, right? And you can only push people so far before they just say, you know what, I'm out, no more. And, um, you know, it's probably also a, uh, you know, a warning to, uh, you know, to other companies out there. Again, um, this in a, in a strange way, actually, I'm sort of glad to see this because what it's telling us is that um, there's an upward bound to inflation, right? If people start pushing back, then pricing power disappears. Okay, fine. As a stock investor, I like pricing power. But you know what? As, as a thoughtful member of society and, you know, as someone who wants to see profitability maintained, not just for the guys who are selling stuff, but – you know, for household balance sheets and everybody out there. They, um, uh, they, you know, Adam, this so is far. John. They force, hey John. there's certain companies that yeah. they force uh, 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 grocery stores to sell it at a gross margin that's preferably good for them, yep. even though my cost of operation in Manhattan might be twice as much. Right. Well, wow. you know, John, it reminds me, and it's unfair, right? It reminds me of something as an energy trader that, that I saw years ago early in my career, and it was called net back pricing, where basically the oil companies would say to the refiners, you know, what do you want to make? You buy crude oil from us, you run it through your refinery, then you sell gasoline, and, and that difference is your profit margin. What do you want to make as a profit margin? And we'll net that back and take that into account in your in, in, in the price at which we sell you crude oil. It's 
it's kind of a it's kind of a similar sort of thing like that. And I imagine that that probably um, sends, uh, you know, that gets your antenna up and says, hey, wait a minute. Uh, is that right? Does it work? Is it fair? Et cetera. And when it comes to people's food, you know, now, now, now you're really messing with things. And uh, Adam, you know, I want to also get into some of the green energy stuff too with you. Um, not not to get into the specifics, but overall about green energy with you. But this, what triggered it? Uh, this is this huge offshore wind project that was supposed to take place off the coast of New York. It's been axed. Yeah, um, and there was a lot of federal money that went into it. Taxpayer dollars went into well, I it. I haven't heard about this, Rita. Well, tell me, what, what's been axed? Because I know uh, a couple months ago the uh, New Jersey project uh, was axed. Yeah. Are we, we going to save our whales? Yeah, well, we might, because right now it looks like it is axed, but we're also going to lose a lot of money on these bogus things that it seems like the Biden administration keeps pumping money into. Adam. Yeah. Well, okay. As we've discussed on this show before, um, again, I'm a stock picker, right? I, you know, people give me their money and in theory I go out and, 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 you know, pick stocks that go up. Well, every clean energy stock that I have bought has been a failure. And that's been, that's been one of my disappointments over the past couple of years. And the reason they have failed is that what made clean energy um, or what was supposed to make it attractive was all the government subsidies, right? But guess what? Subsidies don't work. Something's got to generate its, its own cash flow. It's got to stand on its own feet. And, and, you know, when interest rates were zero, it was okay if these companies just sort of got by on government subsidies. But when rates go up, sorry, subsidies aren't good enough. Where's the cash flow? And so many of the clean energy products don't generate sufficient cash flow. And by the way, wind is the worst. Again, as I mentioned, I was an oil trader for many years. One of the guys I traded oil with left the oil business going into the wind business. He thought it was going to be, you know, it was going to make him a, a billionaire. It a zillionaire. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a billionaire because there's so much wind. And we'll build windmills and it'll be wonderful. It'll be clean and green. And isn't it great? Well, the problem with wind is that you only capture 40% of the wind, right? It just slips off the blades of the wind blade. You can't capture all the wind. And so it's very, very inefficient. And Adam, again, absent subsidies, it doesn't work. Adam, it's Richard Weinberg. Good to have you on the show again. Hi, Richard. Well, I'm concerned about electric cars. They're totally subsidized by the government. They've been having all these electric car mandates they can't make money even with the subsidy. So what's the future of electric cars? Well, you raise a valid point, Richard, because uh, Ford uh, just 10 days ago uh, cut its um, production of the electric version of its Ford 150 pickup. You know, the, the, the highest selling vehicle in the world. Um, it cut production of the electric version of the F-150 by 50, 50 by 50 percent. You know, the demand just isn't there and they're too damn expensive. You know, they start at $55,000 for a pickup truck. Give me a break. A one, you know, a one row seat pickup truck doesn't even have a back seat, doesn't even have, you know, four doors. It's a two door pickup truck. It's electric and it's 55K. And by the way, you know, you have to go charge it. Uh, You can't just put gas in it. And you know, the charging network, what we have learned over the past couple of years is that the charging network is nowhere near where it needs to be to support this, this, you know, sudden 
uh, onslaught of electric vehicles. It's just not there. And yeah. the other thing that no one wants to talk about, Rita, is that, um, you know, 60 percent of the electricity in this country comes from fossil fuels, 40 percent from that gas, 20 percent from coal. So where's all the electricity going to come from? Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. Dot, dot. yeah, they didn't figure that out. Governor Patterson, last question. I just yeah. wanted to point out to that when I became governor 15 years ago, I was a big advocate for clean and renewable energy sources. But the research that I did in trying to um, meet that goal uh, informed me that the greatest energy source we ever had in this world was oil. All you have to do is put it in a pipe and you can send it anywhere. And it's it's the percentage of it that once you drill for it is is practically 100 percent. Wind is the worst. Uh, Solar power only can operate 13 hours a day and you can only store it for 13 hours a day. So if these sources ever got greater, then the advocates would be right. But they jumped on a ship that they hadn't really, you know, researched, and it's just causing more problems in this country. Um, Adam, last word. Well, first of all, you know, Governor, I think actually you ought to rerun. Yes, yes. By the way, I was thinking the same thing. We all agree. Absolutely. I'll be his press secretary. Go ahead, Adam. (laughs) You could be his economic advisor, Adam. We got the whole. I'll be be his counsel. Yeah, we got the whole. We got the whole cabinet here. Sign me up. I'll be his driver. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was Vito (laughs) Fazella. That is one great driver. All right. Adam, go ahead. Thank you so much, Adam. Oh well. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. I think we're all in the same boat here. You know, oil is incredibly efficient. There's an infrastructure that works. It's reliable. Um, it's not perfect. And I think we've all become much more aware of not being wasteful. And actually, you know, you don't leave the car on idling because uh, there's no reason to just do that. But um, no, to try to pivot now to electric uh, vehicles and to windmills, et cetera, et cetera. No, it's it's it's. It's it's not ready for prime time. We thank agree. you, uh, uh, Adam. Andrew, Adam. Adam. Yep, thank uh, you. Yeah. Yep, Thanks, Adam. Johnson. Thank you. Yeah. And by the way, the other thing we agree on is that the governor should run again. Right. We all yes, agree on that too. We, and what a driver you got! Yeah. <laughs> all I need is a car. Gas car. Gas car. Gas car. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Judge Andrew Napolitano. We may play a clip. Uh, from, uh, Senator, uh, Rick Scott. Rick Scott. And, uh, we're gonna hear from, uh, uh Vito Fasella on the lawsuit that they filed. Big one. And, uh, Michael Goodwin towards the end. And, and we had a drum roll in the background there too. That's, that's, uh, right. that's the future, uh, candidate there. Hey, I had to do <laughs> that for my that driver. <laughs> You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. And before we go to Judge Andrew Napolitano, uh, John, you have a big interview that's coming up uh, this weekend on the Katz Roundtable, of course, on Sunday on WABC Radio. And you talked to Florida Senator Rick Scott, really smart guy. And he was talking about the politics behind the battle over the border between Democrats and Republicans. Here's a little bit of a tease of part of that great interview. I can understand the chief executive officer of the president of the United States, Joe Biden, is keeping those borders open along with his homeland security uh, 
uh, Secretary of Mallorca's. But why can't the U.S. Senate? I mean, the Democratic Senate, there's got to be some common sense there. And I, that's the part I don't understand why we keep the invasion coming. And, you know, we talk well, about the no. rule. Go ahead. John, there's no, the Democrats don't care. I mean, there's not, we, the Democrats have all voted. Okay, they continue to support Joe Biden in everything. They never block anything he's doing. They are completely on board. They're acting in a lockstep. Schumer has them acting like little robots. That whatever Biden wants, that's what they get. Biden wants an open border. I don't know why he wants an open border. I don't know why he wants terrorists in our country. I don't know why he wants criminals in our country. I don't know why he doesn't care about the rule of law. But Biden does not care. It's a clear and present danger. We've had over 6 million people cross our border unvetted. We brought 70,000 people in from Afghanistan unvetted. We've got thousands of people coming from Iran, from Lebanon, from communist China, unvetted into our country. Right. Um, this director of the FBI admitted to me in a, in a hearing and he's made sense to others that he's concerned that with this open border, we have terror cells all across our country. This is a risk. It's a risk to your family, my family, every family in this country. We have got to say the number one thing to do when we get back up there on Monday is to secure the border. Wow. Uh Wow. That wow. was very powerful. The whole well, interview, John, is going to be Sunday. Judge Andrew Napolitano, is he on? Yeah, we now have Judge, Judge Andrew Napolitano. I, I mean, what I the heck do here. we do? I am here, John and Rita. How are you guys? Now, God bless you. This big lawsuit, uh, the feds are now suing uh, Governor Abbott that's trying to protect his constituents. Who's going to win this lawsuit? Well, unfortunately, the the feds will win the lawsuit because the Supreme Court, in my view, has improperly ruled that the feds have co-opted the field uh, of immigration. However, if you read the Constitution, it leaves naturalization, who becomes a citizen, to the federal government, and immigration, who comes here to the states. So a fair reading of the text of the Constitution supports Governor Abbott, as do I and as do you and as do most people listening to us now. But the courts, in my view, will go the other way because they have perverted the Constitution on this issue for the past 150 years. Every time the states, Arizona tried this about 10 years ago, every time in the Obama years, every time the states try to do what the feds failed to do in immigration, federal courts smack them down. You know, Judge Napolitano, let me ask you a layman's question. So what are states to do? What are states like Texas? And we just talked to Congressman Troy Nels earlier in the show. They're right there on the front lines. Uh, what, they can't do anything? He, he can't uh, arrest people coming over the border. They're supposed to take it. He can't put up razor wire. He's supposed to cut it down. He puts the water buoys up. Biden sues him on that. I mean, are, are they supposed to just say, okay, they're supposed to be invaded, nobody vetted, and they can't do anything? Let me add to what the states are supposed to do, Rita. They also are required to provide food, shelter, clothing, education, and police protection to everybody that is within the states. So it is the states that are paying the bills for the failure of the federal government to protect those states. You know what their remedy is? And I'm sorry to say this. A new election. 
a different president, a different uh, head of Homeland Security, an entirely different attitude about the border. That's what the courts will say, unless you can get Congress to change the law. And as we know, and it was a very interesting clip you just ran of the interview that John uh, had with um, uh, Senator Scott from Florida. As we know, the Democrats will not change because the Democrats secretly hope that these people that, that sl- slip in somehow will vote Democrat. That's why they want them here. Yeah, well, that's why I predict at some point they're going to cut a deal or they're going to try to cut a deal, I should say, and say, OK, well, everybody who's here amnesty and then maybe we'll figure out about sealing the border that's what i think is the ultimate plan uh, well, governor the last time the last time that happened was 1986 and the republican president who signed off on it was a very big-hearted guy named ronald reagan so that may very well be happen that may very well happen uh brita because that'll get everybody off the Democratic, uh, Democrats back. I, it would be outrageous for all those people suddenly to become uh, lawful residents. We don't know who they are, where they are, what their names are, how many of them are here. We know it's in the tens of millions. I agree. I agree. We have uh, Governor Patterson as a question for you, Judge Napolitano. Your Honor, I want to go back to the Constitution. Uh, if someone were to come into this country, legally or illegally, as soon as they come into the country... They've immigrated. Their naturalization would come later. So why does the Constitution sort of allow the states to have the first opportunity when it really should be the federal government the minute someone crosses the border? Well, at the time the Constitution was written, Governor, uh, the guy who wrote it, James Madison, and the people who ratified it, thought they were creating a federal government of very, very limited, precise, discrete powers and that the state governments would be rowing the or uh, the boat of government. And they limited severely what the feds can do. After the Civil War, after Woodrow Wilson, after FDR, after World War uh, II, the powers of the federal government uh, just exploded, and these things are rarely questioned today. But if you go and look at the literal wording, naturalization, federal government, immigration, up to the states. So in 1886, forgive the little history lesson, California, uh, California attempted to exclude Chinese immigrants. They did it for economic reasons. The Chinese immigrants were coming to San Francisco. They were operating laundries. They were putting out of business the regular Americans uh, that had been there. And these Chinese people were shut down by the state of California, and they sued, and they won. Because the Supreme Court said, look, we know that the states have been dealing with this up till now, but it's a federal issue. And even though the Constitution says otherwise, it's entirely up to the feds. Wow. From then after that, 1886, every time the states have attempted to interfere with immigration, the federal courts have shot them down. So I got to ask you, Judge Napolitano, this just happened a little bit ago. New York City is suing the bus companies, uh, sending the migrants to the city. They're saying uh, they're seeking $700 million plus dollars, saying that all these that came, and, and there's about 30,000 I saw that came on these buses from Texas. Uh, the latest numbers show it's anywhere from one fifty to 200,000 have come, so they didn't all come on the buses. But how can you well, go after the companies? These are well, these are just right. They, can you imagine the bus companies? They're just being they're being paid. They have a contract with the state. What do you make of this? 
It's a frivolous lawsuit, and the and the city of New York, which should be suing Joe Biden, <laughs> even that would be thrown out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, where's that lawsuit even just to do it? Right. <laughs> the city of New York is going to end up paying the legal bills of whoever the lawyers are that defend the bus companies. That's how frivolous it is. It's done for political reasons. The mayor, as we all know, is in hot water with the FBI and with the public. And in order to divert attention from his own personal, legal, and, and political problems, he files a bogus lawsuit. Well, they, 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 they go after uh, mayors that don't agree with them. Uh, Vito Fasella? Judge, just uh, so, so we're clear, if you were Governor Abbott's counsel, what advice would you give him uh, as to what his powers and responsibilities are at this point? I, I would have advised him to enact that uh, legislation, and I would advise him to enforce it and to resist the, uh, the federal uh, the federal uh, lawsuit against him. I mean, before uh, we, there, we, we, we cut off, wasn't there a provision in the Texas, when Texas was admitted to the Union, I remember from my history lesson in high school a hundred years ago that there was some provision yeah. about uh, the right to secession if they don't protect Texas or anything like that? Yeah, what about that? That's You're, an interesting point. You are correct. Texas and Vermont each of which were independent countries, not states, countries, before they became states in the Union, each reserved in the legislation that Congress enacted bringing them into the country the right to secede. Wow. Now, there was a time when your friend, um, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom, was talking about seceding under the Trump administration. Trump looked him in the eye and said, go ahead to hell and leave. <laughs> he said, please, please. <laughs> and, then Trump, and then Trump realized, wait a minute, people in California pay a lot of taxes and said, we need those tax dollars. <laughs> Thank you, Judge Napolitano. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Any we'll catch you again soon. Thank you. Very interesting. Tell us about your lawsuit. So the teachers union. So there's a scheme called congestion pricing, and that is uh, basically going to tax anybody who comes into the central business district. They're talking about a $15 toll. And from a very parochial point of view, the people of Staten Island already pay two tolls to come to Manhattan very often. This would be a third, uh, and it would just be punishing them, punishing the middle class. But more importantly is the MTA had to do a study, and their own study – indicates that uh, traffic will increase on Staten Island as a result of this scheme. Air pollution will get worse and get progressively worse over the next 22 years, and we'll have to pay for it. So we don't have a commuter rail. We don't have a subway. We don't have mass transit options that have been neglected for the last 30 or 40 years. So along comes this group that wants to basically force us to pay to get to work, and I think it would be prohibitive. Upwards of $4,000 a year more out of pocket after tax. So the president of the UFT, Mike Mulgrew, and I um, sued the MTA, among others, today in the Eastern District to try to prevent congestion pricing and call for a full environmental impact statement as opposed to the assessment that they did. We don't think it's uh, warranted. We don't think we think it was wrong. And we think it would punish unnecessarily the people of Staten Island, not to mention others, with intentionally violating air pollution standards. Okay, Vito, please, you're here. We talk to you almost once a week. Let's keep us informed of what's going on. Otherwise, I hate the expression, but I'm going to use it. The MTA is going to suck our blood.
Well, you have my word, John. Anytime uh, we can offer information, I'm always available. This is too important uh, just to, to let it go. And we all know once once this program, if it's ever established, uh, that fifteen dollars becomes thirty dollars, becomes forty five dollars, and the too many it people never goes pay, down. Never goes down. I wow! Mean, the Verrazano Bridge was supposed to be free by now. Right, free uh, in 1964. The toll was uh, less than a buck, and they were promised all these things, and now it's one of the highest tolls in the was, country. That was Governor Patterson's fault. No, no, no. Let's take a break, my time. <laughs> For response, let's take the break and we're going to come back and with Michael, Michael Goodwin, Goodwin yep. with some super stuff. Let's take that break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are joined now by Pulitzer Prize winning columnist Michael Goodwin. Uh, Michael, I couldn't believe it today. Uh, we're talking about Harvard and all the uh, anti-Semitic claims against, you know, with the protests and so forth. The woman puts out, the president, she puts out an op-ed today. There was no self-reflection, no accountability. She blamed racism, blamed, she said she was put into a trap on Capitol Hill. Uh, I didn't see any regrets. Did you? No, uh, and uh, the the complete phrase was a well-laid trap, as though, um, as uh, John Podoritz on, on uh, commentary was saying, the purpose of the hearing was to discuss anti-Semitism at Harvard, MIT, and Penn. Where's the trap in that? You knew that's what the topic was. That was the purpose. You were coached on it, and still you call it a trap? Because you couldn't, uh, you couldn't muster the right answer. I mean, look, uh, Claudine Gay, I think, embarrassed herself repeatedly. Uh, this op-ed in the Times that she wrote is another embarrassment. Uh, but the Times also should be embarrassment. The, last week it was the mayor of Gaza uh, who doesn't mention uh, October seventh, and uh, this week it's Claudine Gay. I can't wait till next week. Yeah, you're right. Everybody, we are talking to the great New York Post columnist, Michael Goodwin, and we have Judge Weinberg. Mike, it's uh, Richard Weinberg. I want to ask you about the trap about the uh, the plagiarism. So how did they set up the trap of the plagiarism? <laughs> they made her plagiarize? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really unfair, Judge. I mean, you know, to go back through someone's history, things she did 10 years ago. Uh, look, I, I think that obviously now the focus does turn to the board that supposedly vetted her and supposedly investigated these allegations and cleared her of any serious wrongdoing and then forces her out. So why did they force her out if she did nothing wrong? Uh, I mean, the whole thing is a mess. I think that uh, the idea that she was uh, picked on because she's black is not only silly, but it's dangerous. And I think it does uh, reveal the fact that that has now become a popular thing to say on the left. It does reveal that there is no common ground on any of these topics. If you can look at the, at the gay situation at Harvard and the uh, anti-Semitism and her scholarship and come away thinking, boy, she was a great president and this is not fair, then I don't know where to begin with a conversation that gets us back to a place where we can even agree on the date. Yeah, or to rectify it. Uh, Governor Patterson. Michael, I uh, think this is also an example of something that I notice all the time. 
It's that people hire lawyers when they should really hire PR people. So the lawyers explained, you know, exactly what the legal ramifications were, and that's where she got some of, some of that language. But the reality is if she'd sat down with anybody who's sitting in the studio and, and, and you who is not sitting in the studio and said, what should I say when I get there? The first thing you should say is how horrible it is. And then basically nobody even would have started looking into her past. Well, you make a good point, David, and I think that uh, it came out later that uh, at least two of the three that day uh, were uh, briefed and coached by the same law firm. Yeah, you can Uh, tell. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I I think they ought to demand a refund because (laughs) all of them had to be pushed to give what was what were obvious answers. But don't forget, even before the hearing, why one of the reasons Claudine Gay and the others were called was that their own statements following the events on their campuses were inadequate. And so the attention was drawn to them already. You would think they would use that hearing to correct any what they might regard as misapprehensions about how they really felt, how strongly they felt. Not only did they not correct that misapprehension, it turns out there was no misapprehension because they said the same things they said in their statement. Very mealy-mouthed, very even-handed, you know, not wanting to offend those supporting Hamas. Now, think of that. Nothing you, emotional in, in all of the testimony. That's right. That's and right. Uh, nothing, nothing from the gut. Yeah, and Michael, we just have about a minute left. Uh, your thoughts of where all this is headed, because just like you said, no self-reflection. Are we going to pay her $900,000 for the rest of her life? <laughs> well, she's not worth it. Is that what you're suggesting, John? <laughs> I think I'm saying that she violated her contract. That's exactly right. I agree with that. There's got to be a moral clause in there. There's a misrepresentation about her credentials. They really should rescind that contract. And by the way, well, Michael, the board of trustees should be removed. Well, that, that's, a, that's an absolute given. I think that uh, the, the Board of Trustees is a secretive small group that hasn't – think of it now. They really haven't spoken except after her resignation they put out a statement. They had not spoken since December 12th. So they, they went through all of this period and either never condemned her and didn't defend her uh, in these last couple of weeks. So it's a very strange situation. As to her money, I don't really know. I mean, it's been reported that she keeps her presidential salary. I don't think so. I think the presidential salary, frankly, at Harvard is probably higher than 900000 So that could be the dean's salary that she had or would get as a, as a dean, which... And don't forget, she's got tenure, so you're never going to get rid of her. Oh, my God. Uh, Michael, please keep us posted. Our jaws are dropping here in the studio. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Thank Michael. you for everything you do for America and in, in, in our world. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, what, what do, do we stand for? Yeah. Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America.